because people have been talking about a Jurassic Park Fast and Furious mashup. It just had me going vroom, 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 vroom. Oh, <laughs> like God. All day. Oh my god, I'm doing like motorcycle engine hands. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so I'm so excited okay. that we're finally talking about this stupid fluffy thing that yes. I was obsessed with and continue to be obsessed with the art of specifically. And yeah, I'm so happy. I'm happy because this is my yeah. happy. Space. That's interesting that this is your happy space. And I'm going to get into that. We're going to start with that after we introduce ourselves. Hello, lovely listeners. This is Erin, your master of mediocrity. And this is Jessica, your lieutenant of literature. We're going to flip back to last season's style and make this pretty short and sweet. Not because we don't love Kelly's Udeconic or Pretty Deadly, but mostly because we both need a nap. Yeah, and this is one of those types of comics that doesn't it's a lot lighter i think in some ways than a lot of our fare is and it's really funny to me that i could say that about something that is primarily to do with the undertaker the under what is that called mm, grim grim reaper yes yeah i was like how is this a light book it's about death <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah it is literally about the personification of death and i feel like this is probably going to be one of our lighter episodes it's true it though. is pretty deadly volume one the shriek by Kelly Sue DeConnick, author, and Emma Rios, art and cover. Jordi Belair did the colors, Singrid Ellis did the edits, and Clayton Cowles did the letters. And I love that you can tell who did the bleeping letters because they have it here on pretty big letters, and they also have all of their ats on Twitter. So that's real fucking cool. Frankly, if I was a letterer, I would absolutely insist on leaving my name as the biggest on any kind of dedication or cover. But that is also assuming that they letter the cover and it's not somebody else who's designing that on top of whatever the artist does. I don't know. There are a lot of layers to comic creations, which is why they're more expensive products to buy. And that, that makes sense. And I have accepted that as I pointedly do not look around my room at all of my comics and graphic novels and trade paper. <laughs> but Pretty Deadly so. was a recommendation from you. Yes. And this was my first time reading it. It was. And it was. I really kind of liked the fable mythology feel to it like the western fairy tale-esque vibe like we got you know we got kind of that like goth vibe going on because it's about yeah. death and it's got that western grimness that we all know and love from media where it's all desolate desert and bitter criminals and sun-hardened folks who joyously attend hangings that wasn't really prominently themed in this book it was just you know grim setting. entertainment yeah it was very grim setting yeah that's the one like I kind of enjoyed that it was a lighter topic in the fact that it wasn't socially relevant you know there was no explicit or implicit I know there was a little implicit but there wasn't really like an overall theme about any kind of justice or any kind of injustice it was just a strictly kind of fantastical western fairy tale kind of an adventure story yeah kind of a run like an action people on the run people on a mission type thing mm -hmm. but 
you know, like it's not socially relevant, except for the framing has female leaning of feminist overtones. The base fable of the first volume is of a woman done wrong by patriarchy, seen as an item to be basically owned instead of as a person so she's sort of Mm -hmm. the heroine of the fairy tale the object the princess in the tower type thing is very much like a locked away prize instead of being allowed to like accept her freedom in whatever form she chooses that freedom to be so i think that's about the heaviest this book gets other than just a you know grim bloody like we just doing our sins of justice out here in the great empty wilds you know and i i am not somebody who thinks that i love westerns so i'm really surprised that this hit so well but i think a lot of it has to do with the art yeah and i i think again it's less of a western and more of like just a fairy tale right because it totally does that like i love in fantasy fairy tale stories when people's names are their title like the mason or the in the maiden and all of these other characters they didn't have some of them had names but then some of them were named for what they represent like fox wolf death (laughs) mason maiden but there was sissy and jenny and so there were some characters who actually had kind of names backstories personalities um and they weren't just representations of a thing for some reason i love that naming style like i just love that i couldn't tell you why like there's this one book i want i think it's robin mckinley kind of the beauty and the beast retelling is that rose yeah rose daughter rose daughter yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and they're like she's named rose then there's beauty and then there's lionheart and all of their characteristics and their personalities are kind of wrapped up in what they are named i don't know just freaking love it like it's just <laughs> it, whatever i'm a sucker for adult fairy tales i gotta tell you i'm right there with you especially since yeah. this is very adult like you read this and that's kind of why you it reads more western in some ways than fairy tale because it is like it uses fairy tale devices but it uses like caricatures from the western archetypes mm-hmm. yes western films are sort of fairy tales of their own it's just like a unique subgenre of fairy tales it's a fairy tale that the west tells of itself which comes with this really complicated history about like the native peoples of the area versus the infringing european american pioneers or whatever i am in no way a scholar of the different kinds of relationships that people have in westerns or the ways that people tell these stories and sort of what that means to the greater world but i appreciated sort of the warmness of it when i picked it up like i'm very well versed in the fairy tale narrative because like you it's like catnip especially when it's got more <laughs> adult themes but with the western stuff it felt a little bit like watching old movies with my grandpa and it's interesting that i love that so much because i really don't like a lot of those old movies but i did like how she used them and how she wove them together with the fairy tale stuff like the interaction that coyote had with the whore in the brothel was one of my favorite scenes mm-hmm. in this whole volume i don't know if very like raw of all of the pieces of sort of western content it felt like the it was the most um atmospheric you know mm. well there's always a scene with a horror in western yeah they ran the show back in the day they really did they really did and you it's could see wild. her demonstrating that power in that dynamic mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know it feels like one of the more feminist archetypes of sex workers is old old western saloon whores a lot of them are matriarchs a lot of them are of the depictions it was either idaho or wyoming that gave women the right to vote because one there weren't a lot of citizens but also because of how much power and wealth brothels had 
<laughs> so yeah, the power of the sex worker like was even seen in it, the power to influence politics back in the day. Because who knew all your secrets? Well, probably the whore you were talking to. You know, like yeah, if they didn't know all your secrets, they certainly know knew who was coming in to visit. No, That's I, where all your money was going. So they had the power. Like I said, I'm never going to focus any area of study or literary analysis on the westerns or western themes or tropes. I just really can't stand to read most of the stories that are kind of set in those trappings but it makes me it makes me love it more when I can read pieces like this done well that kind of open my mind to the possibilities of those western archetypes to tell a more compelling story like the tall tales are sort of like fairy tales you know but they're em- they're fantasy yeah, they're, yeah but they're embellishments on people who are just real enough the whole thing's interesting I love it and I love this book and I just never I don't know this book was such a surprise to me well, because I came from reading things like Bitch Planet, and I follow Kel- I follow the name Kelly Sue DeConnick, and then I met I I basically I ran face first into the gloriousness that is Emma Rios's art. Where have you been all my life? These comics have been on hiatus forever. They just started going up again with the Rat here not so long ago, and I just didn't feel like I'd ever been exposed to anything like that. You know, people were stuffing my stuff in my pool file full of these like strong female characters and you know like bitch planet or like rat queens or like you know all of these things but nothing looked like saga probably yeah saga yeah nothing looked like this so as somebody who has been reading a lot of stuff lately and a lot of pointed works i've also been really critical of stories and so it was really odd reading this book and maybe i've just been desensitized with all of the political things that we've been reading and all of the evocative material but it felt kind of nice reading something and then not having a very strong reaction to it and i'm not saying like i didn't have a strong reaction to it in the sense that i didn't like it or that i didn't didn't like it that i really did like it i don't even know where i was trying to go with that but you know this it wasn't a book that like sat in the back of my head. Like I didn't have to chew over this and ruminate on it. And I liked it because of that. It was filling in the way that just good narratives are. So to give the listener a little bit of an idea of what was going on, I know we should, we probably should have led with that, whatever. So Pretty Deadly, I guess in the three different volumes that are currently available on Hoopla, <laughs> there are different <laughs> stories in each and the first one follows sissy who is being pursued by death and death's kind of grim reapers one of whom is Ginny, death's daughter who is also half human now sissy her story her this pursuit of her kind of exists within the overall uh story of Death and this character, the Mason, having this conflict where the Mason was super possessive of Ginny's mom. Death, going to take the life of Ginny's mom, fell in love with her instead. Ginny was born and then the mother passed, the maiden passed. And so there's mostly this resentment, this hostility between the Mason and Death that leads to the afterlife being damaged in some way by Death's animosity and... There's this pursuit of Sissy because Sissy is supposed to replace death. Like death's cycle is supposed to come to an end. And so he's trying to prevent that from happening in order to somehow be with 
the dead maiden again. Death wanted to break the cycle of life and death because it chained him to a certain set of rules. And so by doing that, he could basically, yeah, break the cycle and be with his love forever, even though he didn't really see her as Mm -hmm. a love object. He saw her kind of as a possession, same as the Mason. He did the same thing the Mason did. And it's kind of funny because the narrative story, the way that this this story, this fairy tale history backdrop is given to you. It's by like a, it's like a song. Yeah. It's a song that the people sing. It ends in death releasing her, but he doesn't, (laughs) which I always like found to be an interesting sort of revisionist fairy tale type aspect. Like it was kind of pointed, I think, in the, you know, like our, our stories lie. Sometimes we, we write the better ending for ourselves to avoid the harsher truths, you know? Yeah. Sometimes people just do shitty things and they do it even though they know better and are mad at other people for doing the same thing. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. And like to kind of go back to what I was saying about how this was a lighter book, like it was just it was just that emotional journey of the characters and this like these grudges that were being born across generations, which again, is a totally Western theme in the United States, at least like it's just. Pretty, but in a lot of literature, blood feuds exist in deserts with standoffs and shootoffs and things. And uh, this totally ha- carried that same vibe through. And when I got to the end of it, I was like, damn, like I wanted to immediately jump into volume two and volume three. And I didn't. But they're, but they're different stories. That's the part that I like yeah. about Pretty Deadly is it's a, it's each arc is sort of telling a different story. I wasn't I, I wasn't aware of that the first time I tried to read it through, so I didn't transition to volume two very well. Um, mm. But rereading volume one, I'm like, oh, fuck. They put a period on this. This is the story. Isn't that something we've wanted and complained and, like, asked for over and over again? It's just, like, yeah. Yeah. Bring back the same cast of characters or repeat characters and put them in different settings and give them different motivations and have them go on a different adventure. Just give me serialized storytelling again in a way that doesn't carry this huge gravitas that doesn't you know have to make these grand assumptions about the condition of human humanity and you know i i just yeah. find a story with the book and so refreshing sometimes the haunting aspect of it for me is the art because i feel like the images from how emma brings everything to life it is sort of like i don't know this is a weird thing for me to think of but it's sort of like in kung fu panda when they're yeah. telling the stories of like the warriors yeah. and stuff and the whole like world changes the whole animation style changes they do it a little bit in the deathly hollows as well for the harry potter movies you know just this huge it mm-hmm. feels like a shadow puppetry on the wall kind of it feels like somebody's making this out of colored smoke you know and it's grainy and it's real and the lines are there, but it feels a little bit like if you stepped back a couple of panels, there'd just be a ring of smoke around the outside of it and you're like looking into this like fairy tale. It was a little dream feeling. Yeah. Like I really mm. just, I don't know. That's that's why I'm a pretty deadly stand forever. It's just this a concise storytelling from Kelly Sue DeConnick and Rios is just phenomenal. And I'm real sad that I haven't really followed her around. Okay, well, step up and follow her around. But what was really haunting for me for it was the narrator. <laughs> or the narrators. Oh. 
I thought Kelly Sue's uh, approach to that, yeah, was amazing. Because, like, the story starts out with a rabbit and a butterfly and a character being born from a flower, essentially, and shooting the rabbit in the head. So it's a little graphic. It's a graphic book in that sense. It's definitely older teen, maybe adult, just for the, the imagery. After that, the bloodshed's a little limited. Anyway, neither here nor there. But the but bunny. Sex. But sex. Oh, yeah, there is sex. That's right. Anyway, but the bunny and the butterfly are friends and they spend the volume telling a story to each other. At least the butterfly is listening to the bunny tell this tell the story as the story is happening, as Sissy's story is happening. What I thought was interesting is the butterfly never leaves the bunny. The butterfly is there all the time, chatting with the bunny as if nothing happened. But because of this push and pull between death and sissy this dysfunction of the cycle of life the rabbit doesn't pass it continues the narrative as a skeleton which when we see the beginning and the death of the rabbit then there's the rabbit is still as the narrator i was like what the hell like are we gonna loop around back to that like obviously we have to kind of explain that like what do i just assume that this happened before like the story happened before and then it was just like brought it into being like I, I was so confused by it but then they kept showing the bunny as the skeleton and then the butterfly was still there like why isn't this person hanging out with us and the very gently explaining to the or the bunny is very gently explaining to the butterfly maybe indirectly that like well you know wolves don't want to play with dead things you know it's <laughs> just like i'm a little because i'm a skeleton and Seeing at the end when Sissy comes to meet the bunny and the bunny's like, okay, butterfly, I've earned a rest. I was like, oh my God, that was a beautiful ending. Like there was just something about that and something about that narrative choice where I was like, I really appreciated this. Like I really liked that method. It felt just very dramatic and yet at the same time, genuine. I don't know the word, but I almost want to say it feels like Greek, like Greek drama, kind of like I want to give it yeah. that phrase, but I know that's probably inaccurate. It just felt so poetic. Maybe that's the word. Yeah, I feel like I feel it was like good. Damn true. it! There we go. Yeah, no, they nailed the fairy tale. They did all around. They nailed it, and it it confuses. Pe- I, I don't know. It confused people whenever I became so enthralled with it because it reads when you're looking at just the cover and the art it reads western and the art for the covers are just freaking amazing like i have wolf so good it doesn't necessarily tell you up front what it's going to be and then you get that you hit that narrative device at the beginning of each issue which is also something i liked where it kind of bookended the issue so you got kind of a narrative effect in each issue as well as for the volume as a whole I don't know, like something about the way that that it was released felt great to read as single issues, if that makes sense. I, I, I'm such a glutton mm-hmm. for volume collections, but I did read these as they were released single issues and they were 100% each time I read them. It was fu- it was filling to me, like it, it fulfilled me to read an issue of this because I think of some smart choices that Kelly Sue made to sort of change fairy tales into a small bite sort of situation and then while still like carrying that arc of narrative and then they let that be it and then moved on to a new story oh yeah 
no, can't. I'm repeating myself, but it, it is a pretty. Yeah. I mean, like it's a I pretty simple story, no. but it is a pretty. It's beautiful in its simplicity. There you go. That's all I got. That's all I got. It's just beautiful, and mm-hmm. y'all should read it. Mm-hmm. And like we've been talking on some heavy topics lately. I hope we can get back to lightening up our episodes a little bit, as rewarding as it is for us to be truly critical of the media that we are consuming and contributing to some discussions about the comics world and maybe not contributing so much as us just having our own. <laughs> like, I, yes. it is nice to cleanse the palate with something that was just truly enjoyable, mm-hmm. you know, and it's something incredibly accessible too. Like, I think new comic readers could pick this up and really enjoy it. Like, it flowed very smoothly and obviously. Like, the, you know, sometimes when artists get really innovative with page layout, it can be really intimidating for new readers. Like, good letterers and good artists can make a page flow even if it is innovative and new. But they, like, even the topic of the story, because there's obviously some stories, and mostly looking at you superheroes, or satirical comics that you like don't give to people who don't know the background right like you're like Mm -hmm. oh this character is a ripoff of or like a satire of another character maybe don't give it to a newbie right away but for the most part there are a lot of comics that are like you can just jump in and enjoy some of them are probably written and drawn with the idea that you've read a comic before but i think this one is definitely one where it's like i've never read a comic great i'm gonna recommend pretty deadly to you like this is one that i should add to a new comic reader recommendation list as a way to introduce people into the style, the method, um, and just good storytelling. I think that's definitely where it is. This is what you've done with your recommendation, my friend. Yay! That's actually the highest praise I think I can give something. Yes! (laughs) It makes me very happy. Because I I just feel like it is a solid comic, and I feel like it's a unique comic comic it has its own style it has its own you know fingerprint but it's not it's not so unique that it's weighty you know what i mean like i don't know if that yeah. makes sense but yeah. it, it's not it's not such its own thing that it needs so much more of it you know it feels like something that as an artist i would like to work on something like that in the future especially if i have this sort of fame and success as Kelly Sue. Wolf, how much of a joy would it be just to be able to write a story that you love to write at the pace and only as much of as you want to, instead of being sort of held to this hammer of creation, you know, being beaten on the anvil over and over mm-hmm. again, sort of like, kind of like we've been kind of grinding under with the with the heavy topics every week. I really just think it probably was a palate cleanser for the writer and the artist as well. It earned Emma uh, an Eisner for her art. Hell and yeah. I think it was for her cover. So cover art, which I mean, she did all of it, but it was great. So, you know, like it just is a really well done and it's been recognized for being well done, but it is standalone. It is interesting, not too complicated and a really good read. Just everyone just go read it now, please. Please read it. I mean, that's just really cool. Like just, that's just cool. I like it. And just bitches writing and drawing comics, man. Just, out there living their best lives just writing and doing comic hell yeah yeah it's just some good shit and yeah for some reason kelly sudaconic ever listens to this episode just know it's some good shit and the fact that it's going on my recommendations to new readers list is like the highest compliment i can give i really wish people could put cover quotes of it's just some good shit from people on there like 
that would be amazing. But if you tweet it from our counts. Girls Talk Comics handle, it might end up there someday, maybe. I don't know. She the <laughs> volume one has a cover quote of from Warren Ellis, so probably not. But maybe. Maybe probably in not. Some back matter. <sighs> yeah. Boy, would I love it if my <laughs> quote was used instead of Warren Ellis. It's some good shit. Girls Talk Comics. Take 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 that. So establishment. Take that. <laughs> Jot that down. Well, I hope people go and pick it up. That was yeah. that was a little bit of a throwback to our prior style. I'm pretty excited about it, to be honest with you, because I think we hit all the highlights of it. Just some old-fashioned style girls talk comics action right there for you. Uh, what's not so old-fashioned is the fact that we have a lot of stuff to call out at the end of each episode. Uh, I think in the spirit of it being old-fashioned, I'm going to say that we have a link tree that is girls talk comics and we'll put you in contact with all of our different aspects twitter facebook fireside kofi etc if you follow us on twitter at girls talk comic one aaron posts that link tree all the time weekly it'll be easy to find i'm pretty sure it's pinned it should be pinned on our facebook as well i'm not sure if it is though that might just be me talking but that's how i would get there if i were you and if i were you I'm already following it, so that means you're following it now, right? Right? Yeah. Okay. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I I create the social media stuff, so I guess I'm following it. <laughs> I mean, in a weird, predictive fashion, yeah, you're the ultimate follower. Definitely. Whoa. In fact, I like proceeded. So yeah, thanks, thanks from both of I us. Think here. It, then it's tweeted it's so true oh hey i have a question for everybody a prompt might one might call it some might call it an obvious grab for engagement i won't acknowledge that (laughs) no i would love to hear what your thoughts are either on pretty deadly or the comic books that you would recommend to new readers oh and we have a shout out tweet and or comment or whatever oh yeah we do have a shout out oh shoot I am so sorry, Tony, at Tricycle Boombox on Twitter. Yes, we also love it when Kelly Sue DeConnick takes things we think we understand and flips them over and makes us take a look, because Pretty Deadly does do that pretty freaking well. So good. It's so good. I'm glad you liked it, Tony, when you read it. Be like Tony. Tweet me your thoughts on Pretty Deadly. Yes. Tell us. And also that. Thanks for listening to the (laughs) KJ. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. I low-key just want Jamie to be a guest on and just give us, like, a linguistic lecture, like like an intro. Hell yeah. Like a teaser for an intro linguistics, because let me tell you, some of the most fun ever, especially when you're in big lecture halls and you're like, everyone's making the same weird-ass noises because we're all just trying to. Figure out what that word means, like with it's great. I love that. So if Jamie's a guest, you get to interview them though, because like, be like I'm Jamie, interviewing Rama. You, you are. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Oh yeah, I remember. I think I remember you mentioning that. Congratulations on your nuptials, Corey. Love you. Thank you, baby. Aaron says congratulations on your nuptials. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it was easy. <laughs> <laughs> if we're successful in keeping Shut the damn door, David. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, he's gone. I love, I love that there's both both husbands on this recording. 